0: Good morning, OneChurch.tv. How are you guys doing this morning? <laughs> fantastic. My name is Chris, and so glad that you chose to hang out with us today, this fantastic August morning. Uh, we're in part two of our series, Go Fish. I want to welcome all of you guys who are in the room live in Theater 16. Let's give it up. <laughs> also, I want to talk and say a big shout out to those who are munching on some candy in Theater 15. Can you guys say, I wish I had some candy? Just saying, if you want some candy, you can go over to 15, I'm just saying. So we want to make it a, a special time over there, we're trying to plump those people up for Thanksgiving. Um, also want to welcome all of you guys who are watching out with us in Facebook Live or our One Church Online. So glad that you're here. We are in week two of this series we're calling uh, Go Fish. Now last week, if you missed this, I want to kind of bring you up to speed. Last week, Jesus told his followers, I mean right off the bat, his agenda for them. He says, listen, I want you to follow me, and if you follow me, I'm going to make you into something you're currently not. And I don't know about you, but if I was like, you know, there, like, you know, and like in person, i would like, Jesus, will you make me you know, more holy, more self-disciplined, a better dad, a better husband, make me a better boss, Uh, make me more self-disciplined, make me richer, make me skinnier, make me whatever it is, right? I mean, there's a lot of things I would tell Jesus that I would want him to make me. But Jesus said to his followers 2,000 years ago, and he says to his followers today, living here in 2018, he says, I want you to follow me And when you follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. To which they said, what does that even mean? I mean, to be a fisher of men? What does that even look like practically? You know, see, here's here's the, if I could just be real with you guys, the reason why they followed Jesus was because of selfish motives. They, Jesus took them on a fishing trip and he filled their boats with fish. And he said, hey, I want to follow you. The reason why I became a Christian is because someone once told me hell is hot and hell is not a good place. And if you uh, accept Jesus in your heart, then you will go to heaven. And I'm like, uh, sign me up, right? I mean, for others of you, if you're a Christian, the reason why you became a Christian wasn't because so that you could be a fisher of people. The reason why you became a Christian is because you were struggling with some stuff. Your life was a hot mess. Uh, Maybe you had some addictions. You had a relationship that was turning south. Uh, Financially, things were going uh, more down than up. Things were not going well. So you're like, God, I need some purpose in my life. You ask him to come into your life. And guess what? Jesus does come into our life, and he makes us better and make us a better life. That's so awesome. But you need to hear this that Jesus does show up and he makes us better at life, but his main goal is he wants to make you something you're currently not. He wants to make you to be a fisher of men. And if I could just kind of spend some time on what that looks like, that means I'm going to help you bring some people to me. I'm going to use you because I want you to open your mouth And I want you to be able to talk about me out loud, even though it may be politically incorrect or even uncomfortable, but I'm going to lead you to a place where you are fishing for people. You see, Jesus says, the reason why I called you into my family is not just to make you better or purer or holier or more religious. Yeah, all that stuff may happen, but I want you to be a fisher of men. Now, again, again, the reason why we struggle with that is nobody signed up to be a fisher of men. We, I mean, think about this. When we think of that, we think of like telling other people that their beliefs are wrong. And if you're a non-Christian, you're not a Christian here, that, this is the reason why maybe you don't like Christians and you don't like church. So glad that you're here today because we're going to talk about, we're going to be answering their question, why should we fish in the first place? Why should we fish? Because honestly, for all of us, why should we bother in changing their beliefs? Why can't we just let everybody believe what they want to believe and whatever religion you are? And, you know, because all religions kind of, our culture thinks, will lead to the same place and God can just kind of sort it out in the end. And why bother people by what you believe? And today, we are going to answer that question. Why fish? Now, again, if you're a Christian and you just kind of keep your religious and Christian beliefs to yourself, I'm so glad that you're here because you need to hear this, to follow is to fish. To follow is to fish. Jesus desires to make you a fisher of men, not just a prayer of prayers or a tender of a service. Now, if you're not a Christian I'm so glad that you're here because you've been kind of looking at saying, why do people always pushing their beliefs on me and changing, you know, calling me this or calling me that, and that my belief is wrong. And I'm so glad that you're here today because today I'm praying that I can communicate clearly enough so that you can understand that today you're going to answer that question, why? Why should we fish? And we're going to look at an incident Uh, of the two of the guys that we looked at last week. We looked at Andrew, Peter, James, and John. And today, we're going to be looking at Peter and John. But we're going to fast forward in their story. You see, we saw them last week at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry and we're going to catch up with them today. Jesus has completed his ministry. He's been crucified. He's been buried. He was raised again, and he lived for 40 days after being raised again, and eventually he went up into heaven, uh, and he said, hey, I'm deuced out. I'm gone. I'll be back later. That's what Christians believe, and we're going to be primarily looking at the book of Acts. Shocker right? And uh, we're going to be looking at a lot of action today in the book of Acts because we're going to be looking at two guys uh, doing a miracle. We're going to see them being arrested. We're going to see them being tortured. Uh, And it's going to be a really fun time uh, for us, not so much for them. So let's kind of dig in and let's look at this scripture and answer the question, why do we need to fish? Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 1. By the way, if you have your Bible app, you can open that up and you can click on events, and you can follow along right there. It simply says this. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. So they're going to the temple to pray, verse 2. As they approached the temple, a man lame from what? A lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was being put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could do what? Beg from from the people going into the temple. So he's lame. The Bible tells us he's never ever walked a day in his life, never. He's lame from birth, and he's sitting there with his guitar case or holding his cardboard sign. You know, we'll you know need food because he can't work. He can't walk. Verse three. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some, for some money. He's rattling around his cup. Hey, I need some money over here. I need some money. So Peter and John stop, they get his attention, and the lame man looks into Peter and John's eyes, and the lame man says, okay, good, I got him. I can get me some money from him. But Peter busts his bubble, says this in verse 5, the lame man looked at him eagerly, expecting some what? Money. But Peter said, I ain't got any silver or gold for you. But what I do have for you, I'll give you what I got, which this like, this guy's like, great, I want some more advice. This is going to be so helpful, right? Well, you know, if you would just stop, you know, uh, begging and go get a job. I mean, I've heard people say that today for people out on the street. You know, if you could just get your act together, if you could just, what, and this guy's going, I'm so looking forward to this judgmental advice. But look at what Peter actually says. He doesn't give judgmental advice. He says this, but what I give you, I'll give you what I got, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and what? Walk. Now, again, here's a guy who's never walked before. Imagine the muscles on his legs. They're atrophied. I mean, he it's impossible for him to walk, but Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And suddenly, he starts feeling strength come to his legs. And slowly, and slowly, and slowly, slowly imagine this dramatic moment, him getting up for the first time and walking. And Peter and John's like, okay, we're going to go in the temple to pray. And this guy is walking. And all of a sudden, he's, he's going faster and he starts running and he's jogging and he's leaping and he's dancing and he's so excited. Oh my gosh, I'm healed. So this lame man who was, was lame, who can walk now, runs into the temple to find the two guys who gave him what he really needed. Now, remember, what did the dude really want? He wanted some money. But see, that's, that was his, you know, his kind of his felt need. His real need was he needed to walk. And we're actually going to see even more than that. His bigger need even than that is Jesus. And some of you, you're here today and your felt need is, you know what, I, I wish I got a raise and I wish I had more money and I wish I had a, a, a relationship. I wish, I, and I wish, I wish, I wish. But your greatest need, you're going to find out today is Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. He gets in there and he finds Peter and John, and he gets around them and everybody's like, "Dude, aren't you the dude who has like the guitar case who's never walked yeah, you're, you're leaping and he's making a big ruckus and they get around Peter and John and the crowd starts forming and Peter, he's like, "Dude, the crowd's coming, I've got a sermon." So he starts preaching. He has everybody's undivided attention, and the leaders of the temple, the leaders of the Jewish faith, are all surrounding them are going, look at these troublemakers. I mean, they are here in the temple where the, where the Jewish religion is at, and they're talking about Jesus. It would be like me going to Mecca talking about Jesus. It would be very offensive. So these religious Judaizers... They arrest Peter and John. They throw them in jail, and it's late in the day. Three o'clock was a prayer meeting. So like, we're going to deal with you tomorrow morning. So next day comes. All the religious leaders gather, all these religious hot shots together. They're bringing Peter and John, and they want to say, now, tell us what this is all about. So Peter preaches another little mini sermon we're going to look at in just a minute. All these guys are, bef- are befuddled. They don't know what to do. Because they send Peter and John, and they have this little meeting, and they say to each other, hey, what are we going to do with these guys? They're continuing to talk about this dead Nazarene Jesus, and they decide, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to warn them. We're going to say, you need to shut up. You need to be quiet about this Jesus person. So they call Peter and John back in, and that's where we're going to pick up the story, verse 18. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them, look at this, never again, to speak and teach in the name of Jesus. By the way, this is the message of our culture today, isn't it? You know what? I don't care if you believe it, just don't say it out loud. Your mama told you, don't, when you're at a party, don't talk about politics and what? Religion, exactly right. And today we're gonna to find out that your mama's wrong. Write on, don't bring up Trump, dear Lord, don't talk about politics, but definitely this is more than just religion. And this is what we're going to talk about. This is the message of our culture. You know what? You're a school teacher, okay? You can ha- you can have a faith inside of you. Don't speak about Jesus. Don't talk about you, oh you're at the game, you're at the high school football game, don't pray in Jesus' name because we're going to fire you. I just saw a coach this past week who was let go, and Bobby Bowden stood up for this guy. He used to go to the 50-yard line, and and, and he was a high school coach, a little small uh, AA school, and he was fired for just praying at the 50-yard line. Didn't ask anybody to show up. This coach just knelt down and prayed himself. Dude was fired. That is our culture. You can believe it, just don't talk about it. Don't talk about Jesus. In other words, we don't care what's going inside of you, just quit talking about it. Look at this, verse 19. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? That's a good question, isn't it? In other words, you you have to do what you think God wants you to do, but for us, we're going to do what God tells us to do, and he's called us to be a fisher of men, and we're going to do that. So here's what's so crazy about this. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, just said, you know what? Listen, we have these very similar beliefs in Judaism, just don't talk about the Jesus part. And Peter and John say, "Uh uh-uh, we got to talk about the Jesus part. Now listen to this next verse. This next verse really does hang on why we should fish. And I cannot really overemphasize this next verse because this gets to the crux of our message today. Here's what Peter and John say. Peter and John, they're talking and they say this. Um, this is verse 20. We cannot stop telling about everything that we believe. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? No. This is very important. Peter and John couldn't shut up, not because they had a different belief system. This wasn't your theology versus my theology. This wasn't, you know, your religious book versus my religious book. This was like, I think God is like, and oh, by the way, you think God is like, and everybody has the same beliefs, we're all inclusive, and let's just hold hands and sing kumbaya. This isn't like a debate or or, or an opinion. This isn't a debate about ethics or morality. This isn't a debate about theology or doctrine or philosophy. This was what it says. We cannot stop telling everything that we have, what does it say, church? Seen and heard. You see, we've seen something. We didn't go off in the corner and say, hey, let's invent this little thing. And listen, you know, we were tired of reading the Old Testament. Let's create new stories. No, no, no. This isn't, hey, we made this up. This isn't a new belief system. We're not even talking about belief or theology. That's head stuff. What we're talking about is eye stuff and ear stuff. We have seen something, and we have heard something. Something happened, listen to me, in history. Something happened in this very city six weeks ago. It wasn't ancient history. It happened six weeks ago, and you're telling us to not talk about what we've seen and what we've heard? We're not simply espousing a new theology. Something happened happened. How can we not talk about something that's happened? And all of a sudden, the religious is like, we're kind of talking about apples and oranges here. We're trying to get them to not espouse a belief system. But this isn't a belief system that they're even talking about. They've actually seen something and they've heard something something actually happened. All we know, we're not going to debate how it all fits together and how this and that, and should this book even be in the Bible? And uh, well, I don't know all that stuff, but here's what I do know. I've seen something, and I've heard something. Here's our big, big idea today, that Christianity is not, what does it say? A belief system. You see, some of you, you're, you, you, maybe you've never grown up in church and you think Christianity is just another way of kind of doing, living your life and being good and all this stuff. It's a belief system. I can tell you, you are wrong. Christianity is not a belief system. It's an event that happened in history, You see, Christianity is not simply a theology or philosophy or morality or a set of ethics or values. Christianity is something that's grounded and founded in history. It's not about a belief system. It's it's about an event. It's not even about a book. I'm going to talk about that in just a sec. Some of you, you're very hesitant about telling people about Jesus, and we're going to look at next week. It's the reason because we're afraid. And that's okay. I've been fearful as well. But here's the reason why we're afraid. We think, you know what? If they, what if they ask me a question I can't answer? What if they say something I can't refute? What if they have some argument that I've never heard of? And we think about that talking about Jesus is like taking a class in comparative religions. Now I can tell you it's not. It's not about a belief system. It's about something that you have seen and something that you have heard. Now listen to this, sharing about Jesus and being a fisherman is not so much about knowledge, having enough knowledge to refute the skeptics. That's not it at all. And that wasn't their point. Here was their point. Christians believe something happened. Christians believe that something happened, look at this, in history. Christians believe that there was an event in history that was so huge you could not ignore. It literally split time into B.C. and A.D. We can't explain it. We can't put it all together. We can't chart it. There's a lot of skeptics. You know what? God's still got a lot of questions. Don't know how it's all going to fit together. But I can tell you, I've seen something and I've heard something. This isn't my belief system versus yours. We've seen it. We've heard it. Now, here's the question. What did they see and what did they hear? Let me ask it a different way. What did they see in here that was so huge that would cause them to risk their very life itself? What did they see in here that was so massive that they were willing to be arrested for it? What did they see and what did they hear that was so huge that, listen to this, out of the 12 disciples, 11 of them were killed for their beliefs and their faith. What did they see, what did they hear that caused them to say, you know what? I ain't changing. Not a belief system. I'm not changing what I'm telling you. I've seen and I've heard. You see, that's the question. What did they see? What did they hear? And the answer is found in Peter's little sermon to the religious leaders after they were arrested. So he's there. He's, give, he's talking to the religious leaders. Acts 4, 5 says this. The next day the, council of, in, next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and the teachers of the religious law met in Jerusalem. So Peter and James are there. Annas the high priest was there. Let me talk about that. Annus the high priest. What the high priest was, was the the one person one day out of the year who could go into the Holy of Holies and be next to the Ark of the Covenant. By the way, how many of y'all have seen that very godly spiritual movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? (laughs) Great movie, just saying. Um, And did you know that there really was an Ark of the Covenant? And if you touched it, you died? You see, you just thought that was like Steven Spielberg just making something up. It wasn't, it was true. And you see, Annas, he was the one guy who could come in one day out of one year and actually just show up at the Ark of the Covenant. It, like, that was kind of the physical manifestation of God's presence. I mean, Annas was as close as you could get to God in that religious system. I mean, he was a big deal. So Annas was there, the high priest was there. And look at this next one, along with Caiaphas. Now, let me talk a little bit about Caiaphas. Caiaphas was the high priest currently. Annas was the high priest before Caiaphas. Annas was kind of like Don Corleone, you know? And uh, Caiaphas was the guy. He was the high priest. In fact, you can take out the Bible for a sack. You can actually read tons of secular history, and Caiaphas shows up all the time. He was a big, important person. So Annas is there. Caiaphas is there. And then look at this. John was there. We don't know anything about John. This is not John and Peter. This is another John. And Alexander, don't know anything about Alexander. But in that day, it's like, oh, Annas and Caiaphas and John and Alexander were all in the same room? Oh my gosh, right? And All of these. Look at this. Look what happens here. They are all there, and they began to question them. And here's their issue, verse 7 says this. They brought in the two disciples, and they demanded, by what power and whose name have you done this? And here's the thing. They can't deny that something has happened. They got this dude who was lame going, wee, right? He's all like running around and doing laps, right? I mean, he's having a great time. They can't deny that something's happened. And they realized that, hey, what mojo, what magic, what have you done this? How have you, how have you made this happen? They weren't denying that something happened. And then verse 8 says this, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and here's where he's starting to do his fisher of men thing, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? That's kind of like a kidney punch right there. Really, you're going to arrest us for helping somebody out? That's kind of down low, Right? Do you want to know how he was healed? That's the question they're wanting to know. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed, look at this, by the powerful name of who? Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Let's break that up just a few because some of y'all, y'all think that Jesus Christ, that Christ is his last name, right? You hit your thumb, Jesus Christ, Right? And you—that's th- you, you, his last name. It's like Chris Edmondson, and Jesus Christ. That's not his last name. Jesus the Christ. The Christ is the Greek version of the Hebrew word Messiah, which simply just means king. When he says Jesus Christ the Nazarene, he's saying Jesus is the king, and by the way, he's from Nazareth. And when he said, when they Peter said Jesus Christ of Nazarene, I think all of them kind of winced a little. Let me tell you the reason why: it's because they knew him. Six weeks earlier, they had him killed. You see, six weeks earlier, he was getting all the spotlight. And, and nobody was listening to the religious leaders. They were only following Jesus. So they, you know what, we're going to bribe some people, and they're going to lie about Jesus, and we're going to take care of this guy. And that's exactly what they did. They broke their own rules to get this guy killed. So Peter and when Peter says Jesus Christ and Nazarene, they know exactly who he's talking about. It was only six weeks ago. He was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Look at this, the man whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. And I think when he said, you crucified, I wonder if he pointed his finger. I think he probably did. Because he knows, you know exactly who I'm talking about. You want to know the reason why we can't be quiet? It's not because we're, we, we've been to seminary or we have this theological category. It's not because of a new doctrine. It's not because we've come up with some new cult or new idea or new belief to get a following. No, no, no. It's none of that stuff. We have seen something and we have heard something. He, you killed him. You killed him and we saw him rise from the dead. By the way, y'all got, you guys remember you were there. You were there when he was up on that that hill with two other people who were crucified. You saw the Roman soldier, the centurion, plunge that sword and that spear into his side, and the blood came out. You saw him. You killed him. And here's the problem. Two days later, three days later, he rose from the grave, and you can't find the body. You want to know why? Because he's been walking around. He's been eating with us. All right? Uh, we, we went to, the, we went to the, the catfish house just the last week, and we ate some fish down by the beach, and I got to put my finger in the hole in his hands. And he showed up to us. He showed up at one time to a group of 500 people. 500 people. You see, the reason why we can't shut up is because we've seen Jesus, and he, he beat death. He beat you. We've heard him. We cannot be quiet. And you say what you want to say and decide what you want to decide. But me and John, we are going to follow the dead guy who beat death, who's now alive. So there you go. Now, this next verse, before we get to it, let me just kind of set it up. Because Peter absolutely, just, I mean, throws down on this next verse. I mean, he pulls a Mike Tyson bites the ear off of it. I mean, this is amazing stuff what happens because Peter, he, he, he says, guys, you, you remember, you guys are, you all know the law very, very well. You read the Bible a lot. You remember in Psalm 118, verse 22, you remember that messianic prophecy? I know you do. You've got this memorized. You, you remember how it says, and it talked about the predicting the Messiah who was coming and when the Messiah would showed up, he was going to show up, and there was going to be some people who wouldn't recognize him. And the writer of Psalms compared it to a builder who's looking for stones to build a house. And he goes over to this one stone who is the Messiah, and he says, Ah, this is junk. And he throws it on the rubbish heap. And this verse in Psalm 118, verse 22 says, You know what? It's from that stone that's going to build the cornerstone Of this new house of God. You remember that? That the very stone that the builders rejected, he's gonna use it to build something new. By the way, you do know it. I got some good news for you. (laughs) You made the Bible. You know, that prediction in there, he's talking about you. Good job, guys. I mean, you guys are big time, you're famous. By the way, Caiaphas, there's going to be a lot of people that nobody ever remembers high priest. They're always going to remember you because you jacked it up. I mean, you were in the presence of Jesus the Christ, and you rejected him. You're infamous, right? I mean, you made the Bible. Good job. Now, you may be thinking, where does that come from? Let me read the verse. Here it goes. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, here it is, Psalm 118, verse 22, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the what? Come on, my people. There it is. And Peter goes right to the heart of the matter. He says, guys, you killed him. You rejected him. And guess what? (laughs) He was God. He still is God. And then he goes to this. This is it, verse 12. There is, what's the word? I, I'm sorry, I, didn't, I can't hear all y'all. There is what? Salvation. Look at this, that's the present tense. That's right now. That's not in the future. That's not one day, but right now. Salvation is found in where? No one else. Stop. What do you mean no one else? Salvation has never been found in a person, It's never been found in a one. Don't you mean not one, but something? A what? Uh, What do you mean salvation is found in no one? Don't you mean nothing? You see, salvation has always been on how well you do, how well you performed, how good you've been, how you've kept the law and kept the Ten Commandments, how well you please God, how high you jump, how low you duck. It's all about your performance, staying on God's good side. What do you mean Found in no one else. Salvation is about what we do. But he says this there is salvation in no one else, for God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. No other name. Name, not a code of conduct, not a list of rules, not another commandment, not performance. There is no other name in heaven given in the Greek, it's the perfect tense, which means it was given once and for all and will never be repeated. Given to men by which we will be saved. And these guys are like, Listen, we don't have it all together. I can't tell you how it all fits, but here's what I do know I've seen something and I've heard something. And you know what? Some of you are like, you think of Christianity about a book, and the thing is you go to college and some professor says, "Well, this, this contradicts something here and you really can't trust this and you're going to let me tell you, our salvation doesn't come from a book, people. The reason why Christianity existed and how it began wasn't based upon the Bible. Did you know that? It was based upon an event that happened in history. Let me ask you a quick question. When Peter and John, in this moment, do you want to know how many books of the New Testament had been written up to this point? Zero. Zero. You see, this wasn't about a book. It wasn't about a scroll. It wasn't about a manuscript. This was about an event in history. Something happened. And guess what? 2,000 years later, we can't refute that. Now, I believe the Bible to be true, and you want to know why? Because I believe the guy who was dead, who's alive again, I'm going to follow him. I don't understand Jonah, but you know what? If Jesus believed in Jonah, so guess what? I'm going to follow the dude who beat death. So I believe the Bible to be true because Jesus rose again from the grave, and no one can refute that. They haven't in the past 2,000 years. Now, look at this. Their response is wonderful, the religious people. They don't know what to do. So verse 13, they say this. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were, look at this, unschooled, ordinary men with no special training. By the way, the Greek word for unschooled, I can't even make this up. It's where we get our word ignoramus ignorant. They were ignorant. Or as my mama said, they were ignorant, right? They were unschooled, ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. But look at this. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. You want to know why we have to fish? Listen, this is so important. We have to fish because the message of salvation is not an intuitive message. What I mean by is no one's ever going to come to the message of salvation on their own. You're never going to go under a tree and just kind of meditate and realize, oh, yeah. Why? It's because the message of salvation is found in the name of something and something that happened in history. And guess what? You don't know history unless somebody tells you. That's the reason why we have to talk about it. You'll never know it or figure it out unless somebody tells you. Uh, Let me throw these verses up on the screen. Paul said it this way. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, you know what that means? Everyone. There's not one person here or living on this earth who, if they call upon God's name, they will be saved. But look at this next verse. But, everybody say but. But. One of these days, I'm going to preach a sermon called Butts of the Bible. It's going to be a good one, maybe a stinky one. All right, but... I I lost my place, But uh, how can they call upon him to save them unless they what? Believe. And how can they believe if they haven't heard? And how can they hear unless somebody? That's it. That's the answer of why we fish. Why? Because history is an event and people cannot believe in history unless somebody tells them. You see, that's what it's about. And what's so amazing about this, up to this point, it's all been about performance and religion and rules. But I got some good news for all of us today. Good people don't go to heaven. See, some of you have been trying to be good for years. I, I got some great news for you. Stop being good. Some of y'all are like, I like this church. Right? I like this church. You don't have to be good to get to heaven, you don't. All you have to be is forgiven. So let me talk a little bit about that. Why should we fish? fish? Well, honestly, our faith is grounded in history, and you don't know history unless somebody tells you about it. So our our big idea, Christianity is not a belief system. It's an event that happened in history, and you don't know history unless somebody tells you. Tells you about it. Now, let me just simply say about this for Clarksville. You know, with Four Clarksville, we want to change the way people, not in church, view church by doing good and practice no strings attached generosity. When we first launched Four Clarksville, I had one person come up to me and says, "That means we never have to talk about Jesus, right?" Yeah. Okay, like if, if you do good, let's say you give money to the homeless uh, homeless man, you're doing good, and you can do that in Jesus' name. That's great, but that only helps them for the moment. Remember what their greatest need is? It's Jesus, just like the, the crippled man at the beautiful gate. He, needed, he thought he just needed some money. And what he realized is he really needed to walk, but really the biggest need in his life is he needed Jesus to heal. him. And some of you, the reason why we do Fort Clarksville is so that we can do good, so that we can earn the right to be heard, so, we, so that we can tell them about Jesus. That's the reason why we do it. So I want to close today, and I simply want to say some of you are here. This sermon series is really really more for Christians to encourage us that we need to be fishers of men. But I, would, I don't want to get too far into this message and just assume that everybody's done that. Because some of you are here today, for the very first time, you realize, ah, I get it. Let me tell you about Christianity. Do you know that Christianity is, doesn't, is not spelled by do you see that's how a lot of people believe about religion. You got to do this and do that and do this and give here and do. it's all about what we do. You see that's religion. Religion is spelled do. But Christianity is spelled done. D O N E. It's what Jesus has done on the cross for you and for me and everybody gets in the same way. Everybody I get in the same way, you get in the same way, the Pope gets in the same way, Mother Teresa gets in the same way, doesn't matter how good or how bad you are, it's not about what you do, it's about what Jesus has done. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song, and as we're singing this song for the very first time, some of you is like, you know what, and you feel like you need to I mean, you just need to put your faith in Jesus. And we're going to give you that opportunity today. So what we're going to do is we're going to get to a part of this song. And we just sang it, but we're going to close it out. That on my heart, this word is written, listen to me, forgiven. Forgiven. It's not, we don't get forgiveness by what we do. We get forgiveness by what Jesus Christ has done. So when we get to that point in the song, I just want you to cry out to God. I want you to make that decision to follow him. And for some of you, you're here and you're like, I, I've already been dunked. You know, I, I've been to church all my life, but I just don't know that I really know that I'm a child of God. Let me tell you, God wants you to know. He wants you to know, and you can know today. So let's all stand and let's sing. When you get to that part of that song, Guys, go for it.
1: to help you that we just want to invite you to visit the next steps table as you head out today we've got staff members who will be there they would love to share with you about taking your next step with jesus it is the best and most important decision you will ever make and we want to celebrate with you today